I'm going to ask you, if you're not already at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, that you go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And I'm going to start the reading at verse number 19. And then we will commence in with verse number 27. So 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting with verse number 19. The Apostle Paul says this. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ that I might win those who are without law. To the weak, I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be a partaker of it with you. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? But one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body, and I bring it, my body, into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified or be a castaway. I want to speak this morning from the subject, it's about discipline. It's about discipline. You and I are not going to get very far in life if we're not disciplined. If you're not disciplined, you're not going to get out of bed on time. If you're not disciplined, you're not going to make it to work on time. If you're a student, if you're not disciplined, you're not going to turn in your homework assignments on time. And when it snows in Massachusetts, in particular the Boston area, if you're not disciplined enough to get up and shovel snow on Sunday, you're not going to make it to worship. Discipline is important. It is about discipline. And, and Paul makes it very clear that if we're going to be faithful stewards for God, if we're going to be about the Father's business, then you and I must be disciplined. And in our text, Paul uses this discipline as he talks about athletics, of which many of you know something about because I'm sure uh, there are many former athletes in the audience. <laughs> former, former, former athletes. Uh, and some of you who think you still are, uh, you know, every now and then you get out there and your body has to remind you that you're a former athlete. Uh, I think about when we've had the church picnics, when we used to be at the park, and we get these old brothers who go out there running with the teenagers and 20-year-olds. Then come Sunday morning, they all stoved up and can't walk. It's about discipline. 
Sinfulness does not like restrictions. So people who are caught up in sinfulness do not like rules and regulations. They don't like boundaries. They just want to do what they want to do when they want to do it. When you and I became a Christian, we voluntarily said, Lord, I want your restrictions on my life. Lord, I want the boundaries that you're going to place around. That's what we voluntarily said, even though we didn't think about it. Because as you have read the scriptures and as you have come to know the scriptures, there are restrictions that the Lord puts around us. And he didn't ask you if you like them. You guys notice that? That God does not ask your permission for anything? He just simply tells you. And he's a loving enough God to let you do what you want to do. You can follow him and receive blessings, or you can disobey him and receive curses. Don't you, don't you like somebody like that? They're just simply going to tell you the information. You picked your poison. You and I need to learn that we need to keep the main thing as the main thing. And the main thing for a Christian is serving the Lord. The main thing for a Christian is evangelism. The main thing for a Christian is doing all that we can to win some to the body of Christ. Now, if we're focused on winning, then we got to have focus. You and I need to remember Satan's job is to cause us to lose focus. I am convinced since I have moved to New England that, that Satan uses winter to cause us to lose focus. He uses the brutal cold up here to cause some of us to want to stay in our bed under the warm blankets on Sunday. He sends an ice storm every now and then to test whether or not you're going to trust him on the freeway. We need to keep the main thing, the main thing. If we're going to win in the Christian race, we got to have focus. Now, I need for you to understand, there are some people around you who profess to be Christians who don't have focus. They just go throughout life doing what they want to do. If it feels good, they do it. If it doesn't feel good, they don't do it. Those folks don't have focus. When it comes to following Jesus, there's a lot that he asks us to do that doesn't feel good. Anybody recognize that besides me? There's a lot that he asks us to do that sometimes just does not make no sense. That's when you and I need to be reminded that our thoughts are not his thoughts, nor are our ways his ways. And part of our problem is everything always has to make sense to us before we obey it. That's the reason a lot of folk are miss, miss heaven, trying to wait for stuff to make sense to them. There's a lot that's not going to make sense to you till you get to heaven. And you can sit down and have a talk with Jesus and say, Jesus, why did you say this? In the interim, guess what you and I need to do? We need to be disciplined enough to simply follow what he has said. 
Paul reminds us in this chapter, in this segment of scripture, that you and I, if we're going to be consistent in evangelism, we got to be disciplined. One of the reasons many church folk don't evangelize is because they're not disciplined. To understand that that's our primary responsibility. It's not that person's responsibility. It's all of our responsibility. And when we all start recognizing that, we'll see numbers multiplying. But as long as we see that as a responsibility of a faithful few, and the rest of us, our responsibility is just come and sit on the pew, well, we still got something to learn. In this chapter, Paul has to deal with this whole concept of liberty. You and I, if we're going to be faithful followers of Jesus, will every now and then have to kick our liberty to the curve. You have to be willing to let some stuff go that you could do. And you want to know why? He says it here. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I may win the more. To the Jew I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law. To those who are without law, as without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I may win the weak. Evangelism, if it is going to be applied properly, has to be adjusted to the person that we're dealing with. Gone is a day when some of you grew up where you can sit down with a person and have a Bible class till midnight. That, that, those days are gone. Gone is a day where you can just uh, impose upon a person's time beyond a certain time. But you guys know, after about an hour, two hours at the most, we done. Yeah. So if you're going to teach somebody, you're going to have to recognize and learn to read body language. Yeah, right, right. We get caught up in, in what we are thinking about, but if you're trying to teach somebody, you need to be concerned about how well they are internalizing or accepting the information. You can go on for three hours, but you lost the person. And they're just waiting for you to stop because they're not going to invite you back for another conversation. And some of you have experienced that because you went over time. And you're trying to figure out, well, why haven't they invited me back? See, sometimes when a person asks you a question, all they want is for you to answer the question. That didn't give you license to try and teach them all 66 books of the Bible. So you and I need to recognize that there are times we've got to lay aside our liberty and we've got to make some adjustments to the person that we're trying to teach. Because there are a lot of people who know a whole lot of Bible. They just need a little guidance and direction. Versus some people need a whole lot of guidance and direction. And after a period of time, you and I ought to have the wisdom to know that. So that you don't impose upon the person, you don't put them off. So the question ought to be is, what, what do I need to know, what do I need to do as a Christian to be effective? That's, that's the question each of us needs to ask ourselves. And the reality is that's individual. Because we all have different gifts and abilities. Some of you were A-plus students in class. And we leave the A-plus ability in the classroom and don't bring it into our spirituality. 
Sometimes we ought to ask ourselves, what does God want me to be versus what I want to be? Because too many times when we focus on what I want to be, we miss where God wants us to be. I want to be rich. I want to have a mansion on the hilltop in a gated community with two plus cars in the driveway. Sound like any of your dreams? Rarely do we dream, I just want to be a faithful Christian and serve the Lord. Anybody got that kind of dream? I know it's second or third. It needs to be first. And everything else needs to revolve around. And somewhere I remember Jesus says, seek the kingdom and his righteousness second. Anybody remember reading that? No, he says, seek it first. And in our haste to make it in society, many times we seek the kingdom second, third, fourth, and even lower than that. We need to make the main thing stay the main thing. And all this other stuff, you and I got to find a way to make it harmonize with my Christianity. Now, the reality, it takes some maturity to understand that. New, new converts don't get this. And, and people who just infrequently attend worship service, they don't get it. That's why it takes a lot, some people, 20 and 30 years to mature spiritually. Because they haven't taken it seriously. They've taken their career seriously. They've taken education seriously. They, they've taken the acquiring of property seriously. But God understands. I, I can do that later. Really? In our text, Paul reminds us that you and I are in a race. In the, in the, in the verses 24, you and I are in a race. But he doesn't just leave that a race. Uh, later in the chapter, he talks about the fact that you and I are in a boxing match. So, so he brings up all these athletic metaphors to begin to help us because some of you in your past participated in athletics. Some of you ran track. Alex, I know you played basketball. Sebastian, I know you played football and rugby and some other stuff. Uh, some of you were swimmers. <laughs> Uh, some of you uh, were cheerleaders. I, I guess you can call that an being an athlete. <laughs> Brother Brian, I know you're a golfer. All of those sports and others take discipline to be successful at it. Okay, you'll get it later. So in our text, Paul says, verse number 24, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. So he pictures the Christian as a runner. You and I are in a race. Now he says in the physical race, there can only be one winner. That's why you train. Nobody enters a race to come in last. We have this thing, the Boston Marathon, that comes up. And, and, and there, it always amazes me that the people who really are in it to win finish, what, by an hour, hour and a half or something like that? 
And the people who just happen to be a part of it, it's 10, 12 hours later. Are they just crossing the finish line? They, they didn't enter the win. They just wanted to be in the Boston Marathon, get, get, the, uh, get the thing on their back, the number on their back, and be on TV and say, I was in the marathon. In the average race that a person gets involved in, they are running to win. Not to just say, I was out on the field. And you can see that when you look at TV and you see people in these races and the ones that don't win are crying. They're looking so discouraged because they didn't, they didn't sign up to be second or third or fourth or last. They signed up to win. But there's only one winner in the physical race. That's why they train as hard as they do. So a person, an athlete, is going to watch his or her diet. They're going to make sure they get the right amount of rest. They're going to spend the number of hours training every day. Not once a week. You, you think these guys who play every Sunday, they just practice on Saturday and then go out on Sunday? <laughs> no, we have a whole bunch of injured people out there. They train hard, which means they can't participate in things that other folk are doing. So when their friends want to party hardy all, all night long, they're an athlete. They got to go to bed. When, when their friends just want to overeat and indulge themselves, they got to be concerned about making weight. They got to learn the rules or the sporting event that they're in. They got to know what to do. That's why they train as hard as they do. That's why they deny themselves rights that they're entitled to. They willingly deny themselves of rights they're entitled to. We can understand that when it comes to athletes. Why is it we don't understand that when it comes to Christianity? We don't want to discipline ourselves at all. We want to eat from every false teacher that's out there. We want to drink from every fountain that's out there. And we don't care what's coming out of the fountain. No structure, no discipline. Just do what I want to do. And God's going to accept it. If you're on a sports, uh, on a sports team, you know that wouldn't fly. Because your coach would bench you or put you off the team. Make sense to anybody? Why is it when it comes to Christianity that that same kind of focus and structure is not there? We just feel, I can just do whatever I want to do, whenever I want to do it, and, and there are no consequences. In the physical race, people are running to win, to be number one. Guess what? In the Christian race, everyone wins. If you are a Christian and you're in the race, all of us are going to win. And we have to recognize we're not competing against each other. So stop acting like that person sitting next to you is your enemy. Amen. 
We are all running the race. And if you stay in your lane, do what you're supposed to do, you're going to win. And like the people who walk across a Boston Marathon line 15 hours later, they cross the finish line. In this Christian race, you don't have to be as fast as a 20-year-old, you 60 or 70-year-old folk. You just need to cross the finish line because we're not competitors. We're in the same race. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Run as God has gifted you. Don't look at the naysayers. The folk who are making fun of you say, you're just running too slow. You focus on your stride and you keep on going. And sometimes what you discover is the fellow who was ridiculing you, they stumble a couple of times. And you end up surpassing them. But you don't do to them what they did to you. So he gives us this picture of a competitor in the, in, in the physical race to help us to begin to understand while we're in the spiritual race, we don't have no competition from other individuals. And we all can be victorious. Because he says here that these people are trying to get a crown that's perishable. They're trying to get something that's not going to last. They're going to get an award. They're going to get some recognition. But in a, in, a, in a few months or a year, nobody remembers it. And so we get hyped up on success in athletics, but a year or two later, who cares? Who, who really does care besides you and your mom and your daddy? And you'll keep them faded pictures on the wall and, and these old plaques and tracks, uh, 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 things uh, in a case or wherever. And you'll remember your glory days. But the world has moved on. And so the question I want to ask is, if athletes can do this, why can't we as Christians? If they can be disciplined, if they can stay focused, if they can run their race until it's over, why can't we? If they can prepare themselves by denying themselves, uh, being on a regimen that causes them to let go of some liberties and some rights that they have, why can't we do that? Because Paul says here that the ultimate goal is to win as many as possible to Christ. And I need for us to understand that sometimes we are ineffective at evangelism because we won't put aside our rights and liberties. See, I know that it is not a sin to drink. Getting drunk is a sin. But if you're trying to teach me the, the, the Bible, I'm going to have a hard time listening to you with a drink in your hand. <laughs> I, I'm just going to have a hard time listening to you. I'm going to have a hard time focusing. I know that they've legalized some marijuana up in here. It's going to be mighty hard for you to teach somebody the gospel and you tooting. Or you smell like you've been tooting. 
It's going to be mighty hard. And so Paul says, yeah, I have the right to do some of this stuff. But because it's going to hinder my evangelism, I leave it alone. I know that you can go to the club and not curse and not bump and grind. I know you can go there and do that. But it's kind of hard to have a Bible class in the club <laughs> where the DJ is turning up the music so loud that you got to shout to be able to have a conversation. You have the right to do that. You have the liberty to do that. But is that the best environment for that? You, you, can, you can take your friends or your girlfriend or boyfriend to the casino. Uh, what's that place? Encore? Is that, is that the name? Is that what's name? Encore? Okay. Okay. You must have been there. You know it. I'm trying to help some of you. But after you have taken them to the Encore and, and you, didn't, you didn't ignore the tables that are there or the one-armed bandits that are there, Slot machines. How can we then, after we've had our meal at the buffet, now have a Bible discussion where you're looking at how, how comfortable I was with the crap table and the slot machine and the roulette wheel? I'm just trying to say that there are some things that we do that hinder our ability to evangelize. And we feel, well, I have the right to do that. I'm not really hurting anybody. I haven't sinned just because I walked in. Okay, what's the perception of the person you're trying to teach? And that becomes a piece we never, we focus more on my rights. Well, that's why you can't lead anybody to Jesus. It is the reality of the process. See, the Christian has to discipline himself or herself to know, yes, there are some things I can do, but it's going to hinder my witness. So the question is, what's more important? Me doing what I want to do or me being able to lead somebody to Jesus? Because, again, just like the person in the race is focusing on the perishable crown, for Christians, our focus is on the imperishable crown. The perishable crown will fade away. The imperishable crown is going nowhere. So where am I? It is about temperance. It's about self-control. And you and I need to learn that as Christians, we need to be under God's control 24-7. If you and I are under God's control, then we can exercise some self-control because God puts the Holy Spirit in us. And the Holy Spirit is not going to allow us to do stuff that hinder our witness. God's spirit won't. Your spirit will. And so when you're sitting around focusing on my rights and I can do this and I can do that, just recognize that you may very well be hindering yourself from being able to do that for which God has called you to do. 
And I say again, that may be why everybody you invite to church service never comes. People you want to have a Bible class with say, no, no, that's okay. See, you can't be cursing on the job and then want to have a Bible study with your coworker. So they, they, they may be a heathen, uh, but they know you're a hypocrite. So why, why would they want to listen to a hypocrite? Paul said, verse 25, everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things, about self-control. They do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we Christians an imperishable crown. He says in verse number 26, therefore I run like this, not with uncertainty. See, for those of us who are Christians who are in this race, we know where the end is going to take us. All we've got to do is stay the course. Now, staying the course does not mean you won't have any problems. It doesn't mean that you won't have some good days and bad days. It just means if you stay on the course, it will lead you to Jesus. It will lead you to heaven. And so we can have confidence that even though I may be slower than you are, I'm going to get to where Jesus is. That's all that matters. So you can talk about me, laugh at me, all the kind of stuff. I'm, I'm on my way to see Jesus. He says, therefore I run this way, not with uncertainty. Then he says, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. So Paul says, first of all, that, that I've learned how to run. Uh, and so if you're going to be a Christian athlete, you're going to need to learn how to voluntarily restrict your liberty. You're going to have to learn that there are some things I could do in my own house. But when I'm inviting guests over, especially guests that I'm trying to lead to Jesus, I'm going to leave some cable shows alone. I'm going to be careful that I serve some water, soft drinks, and milk. <laughs> even though you got the other stuff in the kitchen, even in the refrigerator. You're trying to lead the person to Jesus. So don't, don't do anything that's going to be a stumbling block. So you voluntarily restrict your liberty. There's some music that you might normally play at your house. But, but you got people who you don't know where they are religiously. So you just put some instrumental jazz on. No, no words being said at all. You, you can't go wrong there. Uh, he says, Paul said, I've learned to restrict my liberty. I've learned to restrict my diet. Don't be gluttonous in front of other folk. Okay. Anybody ever gone with people to a to buffet place? And because it's buffet, you pay for it. It's all you can eat. They really try to eat it all. <laughs> they, they really try to eat it. I'm going to make sure I get my money's worth. Belching and burping everywhere. But, but I'm, I'm going to get my money's worth. And the person sitting there looking at you and saying, Lord have mercy. Paul says, I, I've learned that I need to voluntarily restrict my sleep. See, let me get up close and personal here. Some of you are not night birds. 
And you can learn to go to bed early, especially on a Saturday. So you can get up on time Sunday. Oh, and by the way, it takes discipline to get to worship service on time. Oh, I think I said something there. Did, did I say something? All right. Because I, I noticed at least 20 of you showing up after we had started. Oh, by the way, but I know it's the same 20 every Sunday. So where is the discipline? You play the athletics. So I know you know the importance of discipline and getting out there and being prepared and on time. Oh, and by the way, if you, if you, if you get your sleep at home, you won't sleep in worship service. So the Christian athlete understands on Saturday night, I need to get my sleep at home so I'm not sleeping in Bible class or worship service. And I'm not talking about people who are taking medicine and all that kind of stuff. I'm talking about folk who stayed up later than what they should have, watching or binge watching or surfing. Surfing the internet. You need to recognize, uh, there's some times you need to just get some rest. Because we're not cutting services short on Sunday because you're sleeping. And then Paul turns the metaphor from running to boxing. Boxing. He says, I box. Thus I fight. But I don't fight as one who's beating the air. I'm not just throwing, throwing... Hitting nothing. Paul says, I'm hitting something. I'm hitting something. I'm hitting the target because I want to win. I want to advance down the line. And I need for you guys to understand that as a Christian athlete, you need to be focused and serious about what you're doing. And put in as much focus and time as a Christian as you did on your amateur athletics. We got any professional athletes out there? Okay, I rest my case. Paul ultimately says, I beat myself into shape. See, you and I gotta learn, you, you, you gotta discipline yourself. And there are some times where what you want to do, what you want to say, even what you want to wear, you got to say, that's not going to look godly on me. Doesn't matter that other sisters or other brothers are dressing that way. I'm trying to run my race and stay in my lane so I won't be disqualified. Because there are a lot of folks coming to church services today who are disqualified. They just don't know it yet. So he says, I got to beat myself in the shape. And that's why he says in verse number 27, I, I, I tell you this, my exercise plan. So Paul says, I discipline my body. I discipline my body. I bring all my impulses, all my desires under control because if I don't, they'll hinder me. They'll hinder my progress as a Christian, but they'll also hinder my ability to evangelize. So, so I, I, I've said this many times before, don't mix Dayton and evangelism. 
Because many times, up in here, up in here, some of you were dating folk, and you mixed romance with it. And when the romance fizzled, the ability to lead the person to Jesus fizzled right along with it. If you can't separate the two, then don't do it. That person's soul is more important than your few minutes of happiness. Yeah, I know I said something. Paul says, I discipline my body. I, I bring all that under control because I don't want it to hinder me. You and I need to bring ourselves under control because we don't want to be an embarrassment to Jesus. We don't want to be an embarrassment to the Bedford Street Church of Christ in Abington. And, and some of you have lived your lives in, in the past. Well, that obviously was not the focus, and you were an embarrassment to Jesus, and you were an embarrassment to the local congregation. I am hoping and praying we've all learned from that so that we don't walk down that road again. And we need to be honest about stuff that has already happened in order for it not to happen moving forward. And it wouldn't have happened if I understood it was about discipline. It's about discipline. It's about having some control over yourself. He says, I bring it, my body, into suggestion. Paul says, I make my body my slave. So my body doesn't run me. I run my body. Okay, Brother Brian, you, you can get this one. You're walking past your favorite ice cream store in the summertime. You know it's not on your diet plan. You've already told yourself, I, I had dessert last week, so I'm not going to have it this week. But you make the mistake of looking in the window. <laughs> the body starts saying, well, you know, it's only $2 to get a scoop. <laughs> and I got my children with me, so they want a scoop too. <laughs> so I'm not going to deprive them of getting a scoop of ice cream. So since I'm paying for it anyway, I might as well get a scoop for myself. And your one scoop becomes two or three. That's letting your body control you. Okay, you're, you're out to eat dinner. And you know how it's just natural for the waiter, waitress, you know, would you like to order dessert? You know you ought to say no. But you say, well, well could, could you give me a dessert menu? <laughs> they already know they got you. Bring your body under subjection so that you're not a slave to it. Because Paul says, I don't want to be lost. I discipline my body and bring it into, into subjection lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. You see that there? Paul says, I don't want to be going around teaching other people and telling them how they ought to live and what they ought to do, and then I get, I'd be lost in the end. Now, I need for you to understand, if Paul could say that about himself, what does that say about us? If Paul recognized, if I don't have the right focus, if I'm not disciplined, I could be lost. How is it we can live like, you know, no, nothing's going to happen to me? I got it under control. I know a few scriptures. I've been a member of the church all my life. You've been attending the church building all your life. 
let's be real. Some of us, it's really been on in the last five or 10 years that you've really been serious about your Christianity. Now you've been around the building for 20 and 30 years, but you know you haven't always been serious. You haven't always been committed. You haven't been faithful. What would have happened during that time period if the Lord had called you home? Since you've seen in a little while, it won't be long. I'm going to be ready to meet him. That's what you all said earlier. You remember that, right? Paul said, I don't want to be lost. And I hope our collective goal is not to be lost. Which means you and I need to be careful of how we live and how we act and how we behave beyond just what we say. See, an athlete knows the rules of the sport he's involved in. You know what the penalties are. Right. You know what the fouls are and all the kind. You know the stuff that would get you kicked out of a game. So since you know those rules, you put them into practice. You voluntarily restrict yourself so that you don't get kicked out of the game. A Christian knows the word of God. Same principle. We know what the word of God says. We construct our lives within the boundaries of the word so that we don't find ourselves lost after 20, 30, 40 years of saying I was serving God but you've been playing out of bounds. That's why it is important for us to understand it's about being disciplined. It's not just about coming to worship service and hooping and hollering. It's not just about showing up on a Wednesday night and trying to answer all the, the Bible questions in the class. It is about bringing my life in alignment with what the word of God says. And too many times we don't even think about that. We just go through the motions. This is what I've been doing for the last 20 and 30 years, and nobody said anything to me about it, and so I feel like I'm on easy street when you're on your way to hell. So in conclusion, don't allow your liberties to limit or negatively impact your evangelism. Don't allow that. Paul says early in, his goal, his ambition was to win as many as possible. Is that our goal today? To win as many as possible? It ought to be. And when you think about the many that we have in contact with, out of, let's say in the run of a week, you run across 20 or 30 people. Of those 20 or 30 people, besides talking to them about work stuff, and about whether Tom Brady was going to retire or not. You guys remember last week? That was a big stink for three days. I just think there's more important stuff to talk about. Since I don't make his millions of dollars, and I don't own the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it didn't matter to me whether he retired or stayed. As a matter of fact, I was flicking the channels trying to find something else to watch. Don't allow your liberties to limit your evangelism. Recognize that Christianity involves following. Mm 
And when we become an adult, the hardest thing for some of us to do is to follow somebody else, to follow directions, to do what somebody is telling us. I'm grown. I can do what I want to do. That's our attitude. As a matter of fact, many of us leave our parents' home because I'm grown. I don't want nobody telling me what to do. But you don't recognize how that's going to mess with you when it comes to Christianity because Jesus tells all of us what to do. And he doesn't ask us our opinion about it. He doesn't care what you think about it. His word was here when you got here, and it's going to be here when we throw in dirt on you. Or if we burn you up, for those of you who want to be cremated. But it involves following. Lining up under his authority. Submitting to his will. And the sooner we do that and start practicing discipline, the easier our Christian race will be. See, some of us are struggling because we're fighting against God. Your life is not the way you want it to be because you're fighting against God. You're wondering why other people are blessed and you not blessed because you're fighting against God. You're doing it your way. You're breaking training. Don't become a slave to your body. So every time you get a text from a department store about a sale, Sometimes just delete the text from the store. Because you're not going to be a slave to every sale that goes on in the city. Uh, when you're watching TV, your favorite show, and the commercial comes on, advertising something 50% off. Or going out of business sale. But you got all the stuff you need. Why are you going out buying more when you don't need it? Your body is saying, oh, but it's a sale. It's 50% off. It's not going to be this way anymore. It's the latest. It's the newest. Where's the discipline in that? You expect that out of small children. That's why they pitch a fit when parents take them in the store and they don't get them what they want. Sometimes we do the same thing as adults. Pitch a fit. That's why you and your spouse are having issues about budgeting and whatnot. Because you wonder every time you see it, you got to have it. But that person said, no, we don't need it. Don't become a slave to your body. When we have a fellowship meal, our fellowship committee prepares enough food for everybody. Why are you acting like you haven't had a meal and you got to run and be first in line? You won't even let us serve the seniors first. Get your body under control. There's enough food there for you. Just wait your turn. And if you happen to get there and they run out of an item or two, Maintain your Christianity. <laughs> Maintain your Christianity. I know the dessert that you wanted is gone. Or the piece of chicken you want is no longer there. But be thankful. There's still something there for you. Don't start with enthusiasm. And end up breaking training. And what I mean by that is, many times we start out on fire for the Lord, 
early in our conversion process. We're new convert. We want to go to every Bible class. We don't want to miss no worship service. We want to be on time for everything. Anybody remember those days? I know for some of you it may be hard. <laughs> but over the course of time, we lose focus. And he says, well, whenever I get there, it's just as good. It's not going to hurt us to miss worship once or twice a month. Because it's, it's in my heart. And so, again, we'll start out with enthusiasm, but we will let stuff and time and events cause us to now not see those things as important. But come tomorrow morning, it's going to be important to either go to work or if you're working from home, showing up in front of your computer whenever it is you're supposed to log in. Why is that important? And we can't miss that, but we can miss worship service. Anybody got an answer for me? After service is over, text me to answer that question. <laughs> it is about discipline. And the more we work at disciplining ourselves, this is self-discipline. See, see, I've learned enough that you can hear a thousand sermons, but until you're ready to make a change, it's not going to happen. Parents can get on their children about doing chores and cleaning up their room and all that kind of stuff, but until they get ready to do it, it's not going to be done, and you have to talk to them about it every day. Police officers can give you as many tickets as they can write out, but until you get tired of spending your money on tickets, you're going to drive crazy. It's about discipline. It's about discipline. It's about discipline. It's about discipline. It's about developing healthy habits. We will develop habits just because we're alive. But the question is, are they healthy? Because some of us got unhealthy habits. You know you eat too late in the evening? And you wonder why you're gaining weight? Because you're eating and then going to sleep. It's about discipline. It's about discipline. Some of you end up in the same bad relationships, one after the other. You know why? It's about discipline. You're not learning. The same trait is in all these folk you dating. So why are you expecting a different result? Brother, if she, the third woman won't respect you just like the first one, Maybe you need some help with somebody to help you find a submissive woman. I know some of you sisters don't like that word. Sisters, <clears throat> he's misused and abused you, and I'm not talking physical in relationship, but he's just like your baby's daddy. Why do you think he's going to be different? It's about disciplining ourselves. And I'll just say this and then I'll be finished. Some of you are not ready for a real relationship with a person. You're okay with friendships, but you're not willing to discipline yourself for what it takes to have a relationship with a husband or wife. <laughs> 
So save yourself and that person all the agony and all the money you're going to spend going to counseling until you're disciplined enough to recognize this becomes a two-way street. When you were single, it was your way all the time. It's just not going to be that way when you're married to somebody. You're going to have to give in every now and then. And if you can't deal with that, stay single and be happy. And when you are ready to repent and change, then God will send you somebody. This afternoon, this now afternoon, if you've been listening to the sermon and you recognize that you have not been living a disciplined Christian life, that's a starting point. Because in order to do this, I got to recognize where I already am. And I got to recognize my own shortcomings. And, and I can't be concerned with what other people are going to say or what they're going to think. Because I'm trying to run my race. I'm trying to stay in my lane. And so that means there are some things that are unique to me that I need to get a fix on, get a handle on. And too many times we, we spend too much time worried about what other people are going to say about me. You need to know they're talking about you already. They're already talking about you. So you're trying to, 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 to live a, a life that's not consistent with who you are only validates what they're saying about you. Be real. Be genuine. Be who God created you to be. And trust that God's going to take care of you because God has commanded us to love you the way you are. So don't try and present who you think we want you to be. Be who God created you to be. And Christians will love you. Christians will agape you. That doesn't mean they're going to feel good about you. That means they're going to do right by you. It's about discipline. And when we start taking seriously what God says and living it to the best of our ability, we'll, we'll see prosperity. Not necessarily financial prosperity, but something called peace. You, you, you can't put a price on peace. Being able to get a good night's sleep, you can't put a price on that. So if you're here this day and you need to make a statement, confession, we're going to give you the opportunity to do that. Uh, for those who are streaming, if you have a prayer request uh, that you would like to make, please go ahead and email the prayer request in. For those of us who are here in the building and you have a prayer request, there are cards in the back of the, the seats. If you go ahead and uh, take one of those and fill that out, uh, and at the appropriate time, uh, raise your hand and the brothers will come and pick that up from you. Uh, we want to do all we can to help each other Amen. develop the behavior and traits that are going to cause us to be successful uh, in life. And I know sometimes uh, some of you get annoyed with the way I say some things in the lesson. I'm trying to reach you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to reach you. Uh, and some of you, gotta, I got to dig deep into your conscience. And so I got to get some realistic illustrations to help us. Uh, and so, so just understand that's why it is. I'm not trying to get in your business. But I've lived long enough. I've been around the church house long enough to know church folk got just as many issues as folk out in the world. The issue is folk out in the world will go get help. Folk on the church will just cover up.
and act like we're okay. Don't sit around and live beneath your spiritual means. Recognize that God loves you. He's concerned about you. He wants the best for you. But you got to want the same thing for yourself. So if you're here and, and, and you recognize your life has been out of sync with what the Lord's will is, determine today I'm going to repent. I'm going to get in line with what God wants me to be. But if you're here and you're not a member of the body of Christ, you're not a Christian, then recognize uh, God has provided a way through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus, that we can be a part of his church and we can be reconciled to him. That starts with believing in Jesus and being willing to submit our will to his will. Being willing to submit to the point that you're willing to be baptized in water for the forgiveness of sins. When we do that, God asks us to his church and we're Christian. We're part of God's family. And all he asks at that point, live faithful. Live faithful. Do the best that you can based on what his word says. And run your race. And if it takes you 24 hours to get across the marathon line, that's okay. You're going to get the same reward as that youngster who gets there in 10 minutes. You are. If you need to respond, please do so if you're not standing singing.